A very good day and welcome back to the Travels of Marco Perez podcast. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Marco Perez. I have been working in the cruise industry for almost 20 years by now. For most of my career, my job has been to help guests and customers decide what to do in port. So I was literally meant to travel and explore the world and the different destinations I have been so lucky to visit. And that is exactly what I would like to do with you. Share practical travel advice straight from the source, from an honest first-hand experience, no hidden agenda. All of this in order to inspire you to go out and about and enjoy this still wonderful planet we live in, and to get you involved in this project that will hopefully grow based on your participation. You can find the travels of Marco Perez on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please check them out, like, share, enjoy, and let me know what you think. Flight crew, please prepare for takeoff. In this edition, we're going to talk about one of my favorite cities in the whole world. And I know it sounds like this is the way I start all episodes. But you asked to know what my favorite destinations were, so now you're going to get the expanded version of the list. Reason why? In this edition, we are going to talk about the fantastic city of St. Petersburg in Russia. St. Petersburg was the dream and vision of Peter the Great, who ruled Russia from 1682 all the way to 1725. Peter wanted to integrate his beloved country to the European economic community. In order to do so, he understood that Russia needed to be seen as a capable counterpart, for which he needed to both have a gateway to the Baltic Sea and a city Europeans could understand and relate to. In order to do so, he embarked on a quest to take ownership of a territory at the end of the river Neva, on the Gulf of Finland, where in 1703 he founded the new capital city of the Russian Empire, St. Petersburg. The city, aside from being a completely functional commercial and military port, was conceived to resemble and compete in beauty and functionality with major European capitals, so he adopted some of their key elements wide avenues, extensive gardens, and even waterways, canals that were dug on purpose with pure aesthetics in mind. In addition, the area where St. Petersburg is located provides warm summers and mild winters, perfect for all seasons to be experienced. Catherine I, Peter the Great's wife, was Russian Orthodox. Therefore, this creed was brought to the city and adopted by the Empire, reason why St. Petersburg displays some impressive churches worth the visit. Of course, what is an European capital without palaces, you might wonder? Well, Peter provided land and incentives for the most powerful families in the country to build residences and move to St. Petersburg. He followed suit, but his palace, Peterhof, was built in the countryside, away from the hustle and bustle of the city, where he would host noble families and rest from his extensive travels. Peterhof is very well known for his gardens and fountains, with secret traps and playful distribution. The palace was destroyed during the Nazi occupation though, but the fountains were dismantled and hid away by the caretakers, so the Nazis never saw them at their arrival. Therefore, the ones you can see today are the originals. Another palace built by Peter the Great is the one conceived as a gift to his beloved Catherine I. The idea was to have a summer palace, therefore needed to be away from the city as well. So they built in a nearby town called Sarcozelo. This palace was famous for its sumptuous decoration that included real amber panels covering the walls of one of the reception rooms. Unfortunately, this palace was partially destroyed during the Nazi occupation and the amber panels were stolen and still remain to be found. New panels have been installed and can now be seen as the originals used to look like. Since winter in the countryside was not ideal, the royal family would remain in the city during this time. 
When Catherine the Great, not to be mistaken by Catherine the First, took power in 1762, she decided to make the newly built Winter Palace on the banks of the river her royal residence. At the time, it was in fashion for noble families to have a hideaway from the crowds, an area where they could rest and party in private. Such buildings were called hermitages, or where you can actually go and be a hermit. Catherine made sure that such a building was adapted in the Winter Palace. The reason why what is now known as the Hermitage Palace is more accurately a collection of palaces interconnected. Catherine the Great is very famous for her passion for many, many things, including art. Therefore, she gathered one of the most important art collections in the world, and that art collection now is on display at the Hermitage Museum. It is famous the disbelief of the Bolsheviks during the Russian Revolution when they were able to see the opulent conditions in which the royal family used to live, so they decided to make the Hermitage Palace a museum and a constant reminder of this opulence. Nowadays, St. Petersburg is considered as the intellectual and art capital of the country. People in the city are used to international tourism and English is very well understood at the main attractions and commercial areas, but not necessarily by the rest of the people in the city. When you are in town, you must take a canal cruise. It's a relaxing experience that provides stunning views of the Hermitage and Peter and Paul Fortress. Do you want to experience more of the local culture? Try a night out to witness Swan Lake Ballet with a live orchestra at the Hermitage, stage it was created for. Or how about a visit to the Fabergé Museum, where some of the remaining original pieces are still on display? How about enjoying a Russian folkloric ballet performance with their impressive gymnastics, or just a good night out to one of the stunning rooftop bars? Believe me when I say this, St. Petersburg's nightlife will leave you speechless, and the dining options are just endless. But of course, you have to try some local food as the borscht soup, a vegetable and meat broth. Perhaps beef stroganoff is more of your style, or some stuffed cabbage, all of which can be accompanied by a good chilled vodka on the side. When it comes to jogging, an early run down the Nevsky Prospect and the riverside will give you the best views of the city, but make sure you're early enough to avoid traffic and the crowds. Now, please remember that in order to visit Russia, not necessarily just in Petersburg, but Russia in general, most of the world needs a tourist visa. Please make sure you apply in good time before your trip, as it can take a few weeks to be granted. If you're visiting on board a cruise ship, you can always skip the visa request, but you will need to visit town with a pre-organized tour from the ship or by a local provider. If you're like me, before you visit any destination, you do some research to learn as much as possible before your trip. One of the best ways to do this is by watching movies or reading books that make reference to such a place. In the case of St. Petersburg, you really need to read Peter the Great by Jacob Abbott and Great Catherine by George Bernard Shaw, which will give you a pretty good idea of the life and vision of these two very different Russian rulers. Of course, you also need to read Tolstoy's Anna Karenina, a fascinating tale of family drama and the ways of the novel Russian families of the 19th century. I would also suggest to read The Last Romanov Icon, Anastasia. This if you like some fiction around the last Russian royal family. When it comes to movies, there is a visually stunning work called Leningrad from 2009, directed by Alexander Buravsky, on the defense of the city during the Second World War. 
also the film version of Anna Karenina from 2012 deserves the view, but to be honest, you are better off reading the book. Flight crew, please prepare for landing. Now we're going to change topics and get into the travel advice from the staff section, where I would like to share advice straight from the heart and experience of a crew member. Things that you need to know before boarding a cruise ship, checking in on a resort or even taking a long flight, what you should expect and perhaps avoid doing. This time around, we're going to talk about organized tours. When it comes to ways to visit the different destinations, you can go for either exploring on your own or joining an organized tour that will take you around and show you the highlights. Both are valid and offer their own advantages and disadvantages. On the one side, going on your own, you can explore and take pictures of all the sites at your own pace. But in order to understand what you're looking at, you will need to do your own research and carry your guidebook or device to be able to match the sites with the information. On the other hand, you have the option to join an organized tour, where a professional guide will take you to the most interesting parts and provide explanation on them. The downside is that you need to follow the guide, and in some cases a big group of people that might be on your way when trying to make the best angle of that once-in-a-lifetime picture opportunity. What is my take on this? Unless you are an expert in the area, you should really take advantage of local guides. So some form of organized tours are my recommendation. In most places, there are many different options to choose from. All-inclusive full days, short overview tours, transfer to the main sites, or combinations of all of them. As usual, you will need to do some research in order to decide which tour is the one that suits your taste and needs. I would especially recommend to explore the possibility of having your own guide for the day. This might not be the most budget-friendly option, but in an area that is worth exploring in depth, this is definitely worth it. When deciding for a guided tour, it is very important for you to understand the reach of the guided portion, the group size, menu of any meal included, and of course, how much free time you're going to get to explore, take pictures, and do some shopping. So we've come to our section, let's talk to locals. And as I said before, this section has been very popular and, and people really like the interviews. So we're going to move on and uh, uh, introduce our next guest. My next guest is uh, a, a very special friend and he, of course, my dear Eduardo, how are you? Very good, very good. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Edo. Edo is, uh, is another um, destination expert, actually. He he works in the Shorex department of a, a cruise line. So he is, uh, and also has given presentations, and, and so he's very good. So what I want today is to pick your brain on your experience living in Naples, which is a town that I've, and, and I'm sure pretty much every other former or current crew member has been to many, many, many times. But unfortunately, I feel like I haven't really experienced Naples because what you do when you visit the area is that you actually pretty much are there to visit the Gulf of Naples and not necessarily the city, right? Yeah, that's unfortunately something that happens a lot, even on the ships, you know, that we have worked to the guests. We usually tend to send them in other areas like Pompeii, Delmarfi Coast and things like that. However, Naples does have a lot, a lot of things. It's a fantastic town for multiple reasons. One of them is, you know, just going around and visit, but even on the cultural and definitely the artistic side, there is a lot to see. So 
you know, just from going to the various plazas like Piazza del Vichito, which is the main square from where you can usually start all your tours and all the all the most important parts of town, even just in about 15 minutes from each other, you will have the chance to see two castles, the main church and the royal palace, which I think so then yeah. the city center itself was the the area by the water. Yes, definitely, definitely. The city okay, was so, born and, the city and, and grew from there. Exactly. Now, if you think about Naples right now, the most fancy places are the one up on the mountains because you can <laughs> see from there. Actually, you have an amazing sea from the Posillipo is called the, the, the main neighborhood around there. Uh, right. Definitely, as well, there is another place which is worth knowing that it exists. It's a little bit more difficult to get there, which is Capo di Monte, which means on the top of the mountain, which is on the other side. Uh, there is another little castle there, but what is important is they make ceramic there. So there is a, a museum that shows all the various things. But it is about 15 wow. minutes from the center, pretty much. Now. One of the things that I always talked about during uh, during my presentations when we, uh, when I was introducing Naples was the um, the attitude of the people, which is something that um, it's it's very shocking sometimes for for foreigners because they expect to be um, uh, treated in a different way, like more like welcoming and blah, blah. I'm not saying that they are rude, but they I'm just saying they are who they are. Right? Yeah, they're definitely true. Whatever they tell you, that's exactly what they mean. Which is good sometimes because there is a lot of yes. good people. However, there is as well the bad people as there are everywhere in the world. And they do not fear to tell you something if they believe if they believe it, especially if you are not local or not Italian. Uh, well, even if you're Italian, actually, that doesn't really matter. But they don't they don't think that other people make their living. So Whatever they think about you, they will definitely do. Yeah, they, 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 don't, they don't sugarcoat anything. No, however, though, I can say that out of all the people from Italy, the most kind-hearted, you will find them in Naples. Definitely. No, definitely. And, and, and even in business, when, uh, when dealing with the tour operator, remember, it, it, the, the tour operators and the dispatchers were pretty in your face. Like, they are not trying to make things prettier. They just are who they are. I, I think it's uh, it's it's wonderful, um, and that is one of the things that you need to experience when you visit Naples. Yes, definitely. And actually, I think it comes from the city. The city is not the easiest you can live in, so they know there is going to be problems, and they just face them. Now, go, going back to the city and its beauty. So then we have the the area that is close to the to the sea. And that is the old town, let's say. And then, if you take the funicular or the the cable car up to uh, higher ground, that's where you're going to see newer areas and newer or bigger, bigger. Well, newer is kind of a difficult thing to say because okay. Nepal is anyway pretty old. So okay. even the newer part are from the 1800s, max. So it's still kind of historical, but. The thing that is from up top, you will not see anymore all the characteristical thing that you will find in, you know, Italian cities. There is no architectural strange things. It's still the 1800s, so if people do not know what architecture was around that time, right. you can definitely say that it's still historic, but it's not like, you know, Roman things or, um, you know, 
all this kind of very yes. old stuff. It's yes. more of a newer part. But yes. what is very important there is the view. From there, you can really see the Gulf of Naples, the Gulf of Naples. and the Mont Vesuvio and uh, everything like this. So I don't know if everybody, if somebody has just one day to visit Naples, I don't know if it's worth to go up there just to see the view. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's something if you have a couple of days, it's something that you may want to do. One and of by my... the way, it's pretty easy. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. And, and it's just walking to fall from the from the waterfront all the way to the cable car, which is a quite the lovely experience. One of the best experiences that I've had in in town was walking around the old town and then finding a random market, just a, a little little piazza with uh, with fresh vegetables and mozzarella swimming in the in the little <laughs> glass cage. And then uh, a, a winery that is selling uh, bottles for two euros, and they were fantastic. I mean, that that this, is this is something really that happens, me. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But this is pretty much Naples as well, you know. But it's different things that you can say is Naples, and the one you just described is definitely one of them. You know, that you go out and you experience what people do on a right. daily basis, and this is something that happens quite kind of a lot in the city center. Because people do not tend to go too much in, you know, malls or big supermarkets. They still do very local if they can. Right. Of course, you know, from time to time they will tend to go. But for the day-to-day things, rarely a Napolitan from the city center will go to a big mall or something like this. They will go to the locals. They will go just on the street. They will find the farmer that came with the mozzarella kind of thing and will yes. buy right there. Because, you know, it's better as well as... Uh, for a um, salut, you know, healthy kind of thing. So. Of course, of course, and it's, it's it's the it's the basics of the Mediterranean diet. Absolutely, absolutely. So definitely, this is including this the is wine. Naples. Oh, the wine definitely, <laughs> and the limoncello. Which and limoncello. I hope you remember as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, limoncello! It's 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 a nectar of gods. Now, I, let's talk about then. What now that we're talking about food, what? Of course, Naples is very famous because of the pizza, and we're not well, going to go into debates <laughs> for the sake of the <laughs> of the podcast. Pizza comes from Naples. Absolutely, pizza <laughs> comes from Naples. You will find about a hundred places that will tell you this is the first place they invented pizza. Of course, there is only one legit. I will not tell you which one it is because. Mm-hmm. They don't even know, and I don't know, but I, you know, encourage you to try them all and you find the right. one that you like the most. Right. But definitely there is a lot of places and a lot of things that you can do to have a good time in Naples. And definitely having a pizza right there is one of the most important things you have to do. There's you know, no you cannot go to Naples it. and yeah. say, I mean, you can try something else, but you will be missing a lot. You oh no! Definitely, the... yes. No, definitely. You need you need to experience because they have amazing seafood as well. But the, the pizza yeah. is something that you have to have. That's it. No question about it. I mean, if I really have to go and say one is the is the place where we used to go as well together. If you remember, Donna Margherita yeah. is Dona definitely Margherita. one of one of the places. That is not one of the one that says that they did the first pizza. No. But their pizza is amazing. So. Yes. Definitely, it's something that I would recommend. It's not far from the city center. If somebody is there for a day or so, 
please feel free to search it on the net. It's Donna Margherita, very good. So um, it's something that I, I heartfully recommend. Let's and it's kind of hidden as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a walk, but it is an interesting walk. And, um, and you're not going to be disappointed for sure. Now, because there are there's there's this other place that was made famous by by Julia Roberts because she ate there and blah blah, which is closer to town, but it's not as good. I ate there and I didn't really enjoy it that much. Also, you you have to wait in line in order to get there. So yeah, and, and honestly, I mean the places that we were talking about before, the usually it's only locals that go there, and that's mm. the main thing to figure out if something is authentic or not. Right. If you enter and you find that 80% of people sitting is locals, then you can say that definitely something or somewhere that you can eat very good because exactly. we don't go where we don't where we don't like it. Which is the much. case so, with Dona Margarita. Yes. Definitely. So definitely. and of, of course from Naples you can visit many other attractions in Italy, but those are going to be for a different uh, a different occasion. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a different episode. Um, Edo, is there anything else that you would like to add in order to invite people to visit Naples? Well, honestly, I think I've said a lot for them to visit Naples, but what I will probably add is that don't let people fool you with, you know, something different. To You know, people will say that to visit the Amalfi Coast, to visit uh, Pompeii is the most important thing because it's one in a lifetime experience. And that's true. Right. However, in Naples, you have a lot of one in lifetime experience that you can do in one day. So definitely, I would suggest you to visit Naples if you have the chance. Excellent. Thank you very much, Edo, very welcome. for taking the call. All <laughs> have right. a nice day. Bye. So there you have it. We've come to the end of this episode. Please let me know if you liked it. You can always find the Travels of Marco Perez on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please check the posts out like share enjoy and please 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 let me know what you think in the meantime take care and enjoy see you later